And time now to say good morning to Narina Fisser, strategist and advisor at ETF SA. Morning, Narina. Good morning, Sakina, and good morning to all the listeners on Friday morning. <laughs> oh, we love Fridays, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> so the focus after the U.S. election has started to shift to global relations, and uh, current President uh, Obama meeting with uh, German Chancellor Merkel. Uh, this while pr- uh, Trump had his first meeting with uh, Shinzo Abe of Japan. Now, against this backdrop, Narina, uh, is uh, the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit currently taking place in Peru, what are we to make of all of this at the moment? Sure, you know, it is, it is, there's just so much on the go. And I think there are so many um, political relations as well as trade relations that are um, currently in the spotlight and that are up for renegotiation or, or, or waiting to, to see what the details are. I think a fascinating time in global politics at the moment. Um, interesting, let's maybe start with, uh, with um, Abe and, and Trump meeting. Um, it's interesting for me to see that um, his focus from Japan's side was a lot more more on the security issues rather than trade deals. So, um, you know, Trump has, for example, suggested that maybe Tokyo and or Japan should get their own nuclear weapons and start defending their own turf. Trump has got, uh, um, I think, is, is, is not happy with the, this role of global policemen that the U.S. has taken on in, in, in recent years. Um, so, so that was the focus, really, of that meeting. Um, Obama and, and Merkel meeting in, in Germany, um, interesting that it's almost like a last gasp just reiteration that, uh, you know, they are against Russia's moves into into Ukraine, for example, and that they will maintain those sanctions. But, of course, those are sort of the final days because we know that, that certainly Trump has got a much closer relationship with Putin than, than Obama ever had. Um, and, yes, you're right, you know, this all happens in the light of, of some serious trade deals that need to be to be finalized and put in place. So Obama's sort of flagship trade deal was, uh, was the, um, the, the so-called TPP, the Trans, um, uh, Transatlantic, uh, uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, um, but interestingly enough, China specifically excluded from that deal. So America was really trying to sort of establish strong trade relationships with the rest of Asia, but not with China. And um, China, of course, now very happy about the fact that uh, that Trump is not keen on that deal. He described that TPP as a terrible deal. So China is more interested in an APEC-wide free trade area and even a um, a so-called regional comprehensive economic partnership, which will include India, but exclude the U.S. So you can see that there are so many moving parts here at the moment. Mm. And against the backdrop of all of this, we've got the currencies moving, you know, the the dollar at at 13-year highs, um, and and just about every other um, major exporting nation like China and Japan actually quite happy to let their currencies weaken in the light of all of this, um, because it certainly supports their exports, but the more the dollar strengthens and those other currency weakens, the harder it's going to become for Trump, I think, to, to push through with, with uh, um, convincing U.S. companies to repatriate uh, um, operations and business. So a very, very interesting time indeed, and, and I think we still, we still going to be, it's going to, still going to be a while before we've got a clear picture of what the global relationships look like post a Trump election. Absolutely. And uh, Federal um, Reserve Chair uh, yeah, Janet Yellen, uh, now she made her first public comments post the election yesterday in Arena. And um, shortly after that, uh, the news came out for the first time in almost 10 years, core CPI in the U.S. is now above the target level of 2% a year. Surely this means that they will raise those uh, rates in December. 
I think that is that's uh, pretty much on the cards. You know, um, it's certainly been pointing to that um, throughout the last couple of months that from just an economic perspective, the U.S. economy is has, has recovered sufficiently to allow them to increase the interest rates. But they were really holding off to see what were the outcome of the elections. We now have that in the bag. And I think it is highly likely that they will increase interest rates. Um, I think also one of the big concerns around the further interest rate <clears throat> sorry, has always been um, the strength of the U.S. dollar then. But um, interestingly enough, in a post-Trump world, a strong dollar is, is, is much less worse for the American economy than it was in a pre-Trump world because he is so against this globalization and so against U.S. companies operating abroad. That strong dollar is, is actually good um, to convince companies to, to, to bring back the, the cash, the money that's sitting in other markets and so on. Um, so, yes, we, we certainly see that cause CPI in the U.S. Um, has now been above the 2% level for, for, for the last 12 months, and, and this is the first time in almost 10 years that they're at that level. That's really been the target for the Fed, so they are certainly justified in, in, in increasing interest rates. Labor market also um, on, a, on a stronger footing. The housing market is, is looking to be in good shape. So, yes, I think it is a, um, it's, it's a fairly safe bet to assume that the U.S. will have their first entry, um, increase in interest rates in, in a year um, come their next meeting early in December. So that brings us to the million dollar, or perhaps I should say the million rand question, Narina. <laughs> what will our own central bank do when they meet next week? Will our interest rates go up? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> um, you know, I think the... the, the we, we know that the Saab has always found themselves in a very difficult position. Um, the, their primary mandate is to is to control inflation, and um, we do have inflation just hovering around that upper level of 6%, so 6.1%, 6.2% roundabout there. But, but indications that it won't um, spike where it is at the moment, so probably not necessary to increase interest rates from an infl- inflation perspective. And on the other side of the equation, of course, is the, is the damage or the impact that high interest rates do on, on, on the growth picture. So that's the dilemma that the Saab finds themselves in. They can't really um, try and stimulate the economy through interest rates, but certainly it would help if they don't have to increase interest rates. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say I don't believe that we will get an interest rate increase this time around. I think there are more interest rate increases on the cards for 2017, but I think for now we might just skip this one and, um, and let them also see first what what, what is the impact of these global relations that we're talking about? Um, but the economic numbers alone at this stage doesn't point to the Saab having to increase interest rates at this stage. Well, can I ask you to just go a little further on those limbs and uh, whisper <laughs> in people's ears, speak to them, Narina, um, <laughs> so I'll that we don't see too. that. <laughs> <laughs> we're so far out on a limb now, we're at my fingertips. <laughs>